the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. I remember very clearly that before I would go ask my parents for anything when I was growing up, I would sit in my room and I would map out the argument and I would know exactly what points I was going to hit. Like I really wanted a dog. I, would, I didn't get one until I was 12, so I wasn't like that good. But I would go and argue with my case and then they would somehow figure out how to overrule me. But in a way that was so polite that I wouldn't know, like I felt like I got something out of it. And so by the time I got back to my bedroom and realized I still wasn't getting a dog, I was like, oh my God, Run your law firm the right way. This is the Maximum Liar Podcast. Maximum Liar Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. This is a special pop-up edition of the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking and Tyson is not here. And I'm excited to welcome to the show, Sarah Shaw. Sarah with Headnotes. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. This is so fun. So I'm at my daughter's soccer practice and I'm stuck here for an hour and a half. So we have a little bit of time. <laughs> I'm sure you don't want to talk that long. But we were having a great conversation. Thanks to our friend Maddie Martin from Smith AI. And I thought, well, why are we just having this conversation? Why don't we record it? And before we got too far into it, we decided to hang up and start back over again. I love the spontaneity. Yeah, that's how I roll. I'm a, I'm a nine quick start on the Colby index. So, all right. I love it. So, Sarah, we were talking about Headnote. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what Headnote is, and then I'll tell you that story again about how our um, bill collecting was so jacked up before we switch over to LawPit. So Headnote is the first and only company that is made specifically for law firms to get paid compliantly, but also to automate their accounts receivable and their collection process. So instead of sending out an invoice and waiting for 60 to 90 days and wondering if a check's gonna come in the mail, we essentially give you visibility and insight into the funnel that takes place in between invoice and payment and your firm doesn't have to change any of their invoicing or billing habits. It picks up at invoicing and takes you to the next level. So tell me what it looks like when you get started with new attorneys. Have you seen I'm sure you've seen the gamut as far as lawyer books and the way they do their billing. What 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 is your general sense as to what's going on in the industry itself? Yeah, that's, I mean, you've kind of nailed it. Like it is a wide uh, and long spectrum. So part of, you know, what I know, uh, you know, we talked about this a few minutes, moments ago when we were 
uh, on the phone is that I, you know, am a lawyer and worked at a variety of firms. I worked at Google, which is where I left um, to start Headnote, but I also grew up working at the law firms my family owned. And so I've seen it all like legacy, on-premise, cloud-based, spreadsheets, Word documents, hodgepodge, like nothing, you name it, um, that's what law firms use. And so one of the things I knew from all the time I've worked as a lawyer and as an administrator is that getting a law firm to switch some of their internal billing habits is like, you know, maybe the hardest thing to do on the planet. So at Headnote, we're not actually concerned with helping you change those habits. I think most law firms will admit they have bad habits there, but the, the opportunity cost of switching is too, you know, scary. Um, we don't want people to change anything they're doing. They can just keep their same process and, and, um, and start improving how they get paid, how they track it, and the ROI that they're getting from, from essentially payment efficiency. All right. Well, you just said a mouthful, and there's a lot of things that I want to come back to. Hopefully, I'll remember them all. Mm -hmm. But um, <laughs> what, uh, what, is it, what does it look like when people transition into using Headnote? What sort of successes have you seen? What sort of transformations yeah. have been brought about? Well, so essentially what's happening right now for most law firms, large or small, is that the invoice goes out and then um, we kind of wait around and wonder, you know, if it's going to get paid. And we will come together at what we used to call when I was working as a lawyer, AR meetings. And lawyers will sit there and there'll be at least one non-billable staff, if not a few. And we kind of sit and compare notes on the spreadsheet and say like, okay, Jim, what's the status of these four clients? Uh, looks like they're late. Have you called them? Okay, great. Sarah, what about your client? And then the lawyers would disperse and go and make those like awkward collection phone calls. Um, and then we kind of do the same thing the next month at the next day of meeting. Uh, and so what we've essentially done is taken that process and replaced it with the ability for your non-billable staff or the lawyers, if they're using the tool, to see exactly where the client is in that funnel in between invoice and payment. So it'll tell you if your client has received, opened, uh, responded to an invoice, you set up an automated collection funnel on the firm's behalf that the firm then can say like, okay, they've received one, or they've received one email, two emails, three emails. Uh, it's going to track that funnel from invoice to payment. And then nobody on your team has to be in charge of manning a spreadsheet or keeping it updated. And the lawyers don't have to make collection phone calls. And then you can get more profits out of your billable staff and more efficiency out of your non-billable staff. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I think you raised a good point. I mean, nobody likes being the lawyer who has to call their client to get money. One of the great things we've done is sort of separate that out. We have somebody in-house who does that. Now, if you can mm -hmm. automate it, obviously that's better than having a live person having to monitor it. But being the lawyer and being the one to try to shake down the client for overdue payment is not fun. So awkward. And it's something that we kind of refer to internally um, at Headnote as the, the handshake business of law. And, and I think one of the big trends I've seen, you know, as somebody who spent pretty much my entire life working in and around law firms, as sad as that probably sounds, um, as a kid in Arizona, uh -huh. there's like the big, I've seen more um, improvement in legal technology and more firms that want to make improvements in their tech uh, that they're using at their firm in the past two years than I've seen in the past 20. Like, it's kind of amazing this transformation that we're seeing right now. And so, um, you know, this is essentially one of the reasons that, that we do what we do. We want to help make the handshake business of law a little bit more like the business of law, because 
it shouldn't be, you're one of the only ones I've heard of that actually will have a dedicated person to say like, oh, Mr. Client, Ms. Client, you're overdue, we expect prompt payment, or here's that you can make payment. So many firms are afraid to do that. Like they feel like it's gonna be offensive to the client if anyone but the lawyer calls them. And I find it's the opposite. I find that it actually like putting that distance and that that impersonal, like it's too personal when you know your lawyer so well, right? Like it's awkward when it's someone in a billing department, it feels a little bit more, you know, formal in a good way. Like they will actually pay you for the services you provided. Yeah, and it's less personal and, and like you said, less awkward. For us, you know, before we got on the call, I was telling you about how we did things at our firm and, and we were using QuickBooks and we had a bookkeeper upon whom we were very reliant and she was basically the only one who really knew the numbers on a per case basis. And so if a client named Sally called the office, they would talk to the front desk and the front desk, they'd say, hey, I know I have a balance. I don't know how much it is. Can I come in and pay? And there'd be this whole complicated, convoluted, conversation from the client to the front desk person to me to the bookkeeper then back from the bookkeeper <laughs> to me to the front desk I mean it was as inefficient as can be so just being able to step up to some level of automation has been great and then bringing in someone and that's all that she does but it's I mean the way that we're doing it now it's a pretty complicated and labor-intensive process I think she works about 30 hours a week on collecting the bills and making sure that the oh matters are open correctly with the proper billing. Right. So I, I, I'm interested to see what you mean when you say that you sort of automated that part of the process. How does that work? Yeah, I mean, essentially, you know, that's some of the tech that we've, you know, built in-house, but we now, you know, you, you create a, a payment link uh, on HeadNote that you add to however you're currently sending your invoice, whether you send it through Clio or via email or however you're currently sending it. And when your client receives and clicks that link, it's going to start, you know, tracking the, the life cycle of that. And then depending on how you've set it up ahead of time, the firm has complete control over, you know, what they, if they want it to have any, you know, if they want the client to have any automated selections or not, exactly what it says, et cetera, when it's received. Um, you can decide if you want to do that or not at a matter client firm-wide level, it's kind of up to the firm and then you know the client's automatically going to be put into whatever collection funnel you've created if your head note dashboard is going to tell you when you look at it for every single client or any payment or any outstanding invoice where exactly is this in the life cycle is it been three days since it was sent has it even been opened um has it ever been clicked has anyone ever tried to submit a payment and it didn't go through uh, have they been put into the collection funnel? Where are they in that? Have they received one, two, three emails? So you essentially are going to have this beautiful organized system of record that's going to replace this like finding out, you know, going back and double checking with your accountant and dealing with anybody who's actually in your back office who's maybe controlling whether a matter has been properly shut down and closed out. Um, the system now will tell you exactly where it is so that you don't have to take any time to do so. Yeah, that's really important. I told you before that we were having some matters where we finished all the work and we looked around and we realized that the clients hadn't paid us the second half of their legal fee. And we we're like, what the heck? Right. Right, and so, now it's been like months. <laughs> right. And yeah, right. That's exactly right. We have those meetings, but we're all like, now, now we're having those meetings much more regularly and the bookkeepers, the in-house ladies really keeping us honest. So let me ask you this. If, if through some bizarre twist of fate, you were at a trade show and your booth was put next to QuickBooks. I think QuickBooks claims that they can do some of that stuff. And I've 
I receive bills from vendors that I can pay with a click on QuickBooks. How is HeadNote different than, than that? Yeah, no, we play well with QuickBooks. So we um, we are not your accounting software. Um, that is certainly something that you probably need and your bookkeeper has their own ideas about what that platform should be. Um, you know, if you're going to use QuickBooks, uh, it's, you're not going to be able to get the kind of specificity you need for your law firm, right? You're obviously not going to be able to get compliant payments to trust, which we don't mess around sure. with. So right sure. away, you're not going to be able to use it to get paid. I don't think you can actually use some of their follow-up features on an invoice if they don't actually, you know, if you're not actually going to be accepting payment in conjunction. So right away, you're like out of the running for a bunch of those features. But even if you could use some of those features, none of them are going to be customized to uh, a lawyer, law firm, allow you to kind of have that personalization. And while I say like, you know, it's great to have someone in billing who can follow up on this stuff. That's true, but there is still that personal relationship you want to maintain. So if you can make sure that it's going to be a polite email with the kind of vernacular that you want, that's your voice and tone um, and represents your firm. I, I mean, how, it's so different to have something come from, you know, QuickBooks that this is overdue than it comes from, you know, law office of Sarah Shaw uh, with a note from me or from somebody in my department. Um, so it's just not made for lawyers. I always like tell lawyers, especially in law firms, you're just going to want to be really careful with how you either do something related to your rules, like getting paid online, or how you communicate with your client on a platform that doesn't know our industry the way that we do. Can you talk a little bit about integrations, whether your API is open and working with Zapier, things like that? Absolutely. So we have a public API, um, and we do have um, uh, Zapier also uh, is an ongoing integration that's uh, nearly complete. We have multiple integrations with different partners. And for those that we don't have or haven't gotten to yet, we are highly compatible. So if we, if you use something that we're not currently integrated with, you create your pen, your, your head note payment link, you copy and paste that into whatever system you're using. That is going to, you know, be trackable. And when it gets paid and you actually get that payment into your bank account, that's going to be automatically reconciled with your accounting software. So you can actually, you know, many, many firms are using HeadNote, even though there's no formal integration with their system. Uh, and we're working through that long list of integration partners now. So most of our folks use either Clio or Practice Panther. Are you set up with either of those? No, but both of those we have ongoing conversations with. So that's something that we're, that we're working with. Um, and, you know, we want to get more involved with, with both of those. I know that, you know, I don't know if this is something that many people will talk about, but LaPay has an exclusive with both of those companies. So ah, um, ah, they kind of create sense. a nice moat for themselves that, you know, what effect that has on price, I don't know. But uh, I tend to think that, you know, options and choice are always uh, preferable over no choice. Yeah, of course. And so actually that brings up a good point. How does, how does cost work? How's your pricing model? Yeah, so we are, you know, we pride ourselves on being very transparent in our pricing. So we are 2.9% for all credit cards. It doesn't matter if it's, uh, you know, Amex card present or not, you know exactly what you're going to pay. I know that, you know, there's, you know, LaPay and some others will list their prices as like 1.95 with an asterisk. And that asterisk actually means um we're going to charge different fees based on different cards and, and different types of cards. So that 1.95%, for instance, is only true for a non-reward debit card, I believe. 
So if they use any kind of reward card, Visa, MasterCard, American Express, if a card is present versus not present, those are going to push the fees much higher. And then there's all different kinds of uh, potential um, exchange and interchange fees that you might get charged. So I always tell people they should take their statement, which if you're on HeadNote, you can actually get a report anytime you want from your dashboard that shows exactly what fees are taken out of what payment. Um, but if you have a different processor, wait for your monthly statement, find it, it'll be in tiny, tiny, like six point font. <laughs> take that can't and read go it. over. Can't read it when it comes. Can't read it. Can't read it. But on if there are, you can pull it anytime you want and always read it. Go to headnote.com slash calculator. You can put in what you were charged on your last statement and we'll tell you if we can save you anything. If we can't, then you'll know. And if we can, then you'll know. So 2.9 on all credit cards, no matter what. 1.9 for eCheck. We actually are the, the first company in legal that built eCheck. We built ours in-house. It is instant eCheck. So I don't know if you remember, if you ever signed up for a PayPal account, you have to like link your bank and then wait for what they call micro deposits for like three or four days. And then you go back to PayPal and enter like 13 cents and 15 cents, or they put two like really small deposits in. That's how they're verifying that you own that bank account. We knew that no client on earth would want to pay like that. The traditional e-check experience is painful for your client. Um, ours isn't like that. Ours takes less than 10 seconds. Clients don't have to verify any amounts in their bank account. They don't even have to open a HeadNote account. By far the easiest and, and best client payment user experience on the market. This is going to sound like a dumb question, but I don't know what e-check means. I've seen ads for oh. it lately, but I don't know what it means. I'll tell you all about it. You've seen ads for it, I'm sure, because it's something that we, you know, came out with um, over a year ago. And I know that that's, it's kind of, we branded it as, as e-check. It's actually built off of ACA Trails, which is an automated clearinghouse, which is essentially a bank-to-bank -bank transfer from one U.S. bank account to another. Um, yeah. It essentially is pushed by one bank to another, and it goes through the automated clearinghouse. So we actually branded it as eCheck because we knew that most of our customers and their clients are familiar with checks. So it's essentially a direct bank-to-bank -bank transfer that can replace uh, a wire transfer uh, or a bank-to-bank -bank, uh, or a traditional ACH. If it's a headnote eCheck, then it is you know uh, under 10 seconds for the client to make a payment and really easy. If it's a traditional eCheck, it's a little more painful for the client. Uh, and, and maybe not as user-friendly. I forgot to also mention that we never have any monthly fees. We don't have any fast fees or recurring fees. You only pay transaction fees if you get paid. Are are e-checks something that like companies use and paying, yes. paying for purchase orders and not so much individuals? It's not like people writing me a check and I would run it through you. No, but a lot of individuals, we see individual clients use it often as a replacement for uh, writing a traditional check. So if your client does want to pay directly from their bank and they don't want to pay with credit card, this is the easiest way for them to do so if, they, if they're not using a debit card or, or for whatever reason. Um, so that's something that's um, going to be less than a debit card would cost you and uh, your client can click and pay instead of writing a check. Or if you have SMB clients, which many law firms do, um, who are doing a traditional wire transfer right now to pay you or writing a check, you know, that wire transfer is costing them money. This is an easier and less expensive way for them to do it. Um, so it can replace uh, wire transfers for, for larger organizations. Does Headnote have any applicability to firms that work on contingency fees? You know, we have some that use Headnote that are contingency firms solely so that they can do tracking of kind of where they are uh, with different communication with their clients in that kind of post K-1 
case life cycle uh, because again it is an operating it can it can be your system of record for everything going on in your firm kind of post case and post invoicing we don't obviously see them using it very often for for payments unless you know they're they're getting paid for something outside of the contingency work so you said to me earlier before we got on the call that your ideal firm size are like 10 to 200 attorneys but that you do have firms that are smaller but i guess this would be firms that are regularly using you getting paid by the client whatever client it is as opposed to like by an insurance company on contingency fee stuff right right so we have a like really really easy to use self-serve platform so for anybody who's like you know signed up for something online recently and you can just like enter your info and then you're in the platform and can start using it that's how it is to sign up for headnote so there's a lot a lot a lot of solo attorneys and small firms who sign up on their own and start using it same day. You don't have to like sit on the phone for a long underwriting process. We do all of that. We just do it with a lot of technology in the background so that you don't actually have to be put out or wait to use the platform. Uh, it's incredibly easy to get up and running. Um, there's not like incredibly long forms to fill out, like to get in there and up and running. It's, it's very simple. So we have a lot of smaller firms that love that. Um, and then we have, you know, larger firms that, that would like to sign up and we will do some kind of um, individual integrations with their system or, you know, do whatever we can to make sure that we're set up to be as helpful as we can to, to large or small customers. All right. Is there anything else that our listeners need to know about HeadNote? HeadNote is something that everybody should check out and see if it's the right fit for them. I think that, you know, using something you know, to, you know, process payments is important, but, you know, don't settle for, for just that. Let's really look at, you know, the same way many of us are now using Clio Grow or Lawmatics or something on the kind of front end of our process to understand that marketing funnel. We should be using that same kind of thought process and technology to apply to our invoicing and payment funnel. That's the most important part. It doesn't matter how many clients you get, how closely you track your billable hours. If you don't get paid for them and you don't understand Kind of really what's happening in that process and all that other work is for nothing so it's really about taking that black box in your post invoicing uh, life cycle and making vast improvements using really easy to implement technology all right now i don't mean to put you on the spot but is there any like website or code that we can give to the listeners so that you know where they came from or that you need them to to log in somehow no, that's great. I love this thought. So go to headnote.com slash max lawyer, and we will give you an extra uh, $30 in transaction fees. So that's $50 total that you'll get in transaction fee credits. That's up to, I think, a $2,600 payment you can run for free uh, and give it a try. And um, we're always happy to have friends of, of you guys and, and happy to work with some of your, some of your fans. All right. Now that's all the boring stuff. Now I want to talk about the interesting stuff. You said mm -hmm. that both of your parents were lawyers, right? That's right, yeah. <laughs> All right, so so I have four kids, and both of their parents are lawyers. So what advice do you have for me being a lawyer parent and having four kids? Do you want them to be lawyers or not to be lawyers? I'm neutral. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, um, gosh, that's such a good question. So I remember really clearly... Well, there's going to be some really good things and some harder things, right? So, like, I remember very clearly that before I would go ask my parents for anything when I was growing up, I would sit in my room and I would map out the argument and I would know exactly 
what points I was going to hit. Like I really wanted a dog. I would, I didn't get one until I was 12. So I wasn't like that good, but I would go and argue with my case. And then they would somehow figure out how to overrule me, but in a way that was so polite that I wouldn't know, like, I felt like I got something out of it. And so by the time I got back to my bedroom and realized I still wasn't getting a dog, I would be like, oh my God, they did it again. So you're going to be raising like incredible negotiators. That's a really good point. We are, for sure. I know that already. Yep. <laughs> and then. Did, yeah, good luck. To, Sometimes, eventually they're going to figure out how to out argue, out argue you. So just keep that yeah. in mind. And they gang up on us. Did Master. you have siblings? Did any yeah. of them become lawyers? Yes, I do. I have a sibling and he like bought the uh, lawyer tradition. He's, he's an MBA. He's, he's works in business and it's like, feels like the black sheep. Because <laughs> awesome. he didn't well, go into about, practicing law. Tell me about law school and then about, about working for Google and being in the tech world. Yeah, so I went to law school at Loyola, Chicago, which is the same place both my folks went to. Um, it's just kind of fun family tradition. And um, I loved law school. I thought it was the best thing ever. I was president of my student bar. I was an author and editor for the law review. I thought I wanted to work. I thought I wanted to be something called an art lawyer, which I thought sounded so glamorous. And I made a club at school called the art law. And like, <laughs> I really thought I wanted to do that. And, and turns out like not as glamorous as one would think. Uh, I thought I would like maybe work with, you know, it, just, it was kind of like an Indiana Jones feeling in my, um, in my head, I think at the time. No, turns out not like that. Um, and then I got out of law school. I always knew I wanted to litigate. I was positive. I wanted to litigate. My dad's a litigator. Um, I loved like the, you know, the drama of it. It's kind of like a acting a little bit. And so I did that and got back to San Francisco after law school where I'd lived before and well, got a job as a litigator right in 2008 when things were, you know, really bad in the industry. Really bad. Um, yep. Early early 2009, I got the job. I got past the bar in November 2008. And um, luckily, they had, you know, there was so little staff. I kind of split my time between doing, like, the non-billable stuff they were putting on the 1Ls uh, or the first years because, like, there wasn't a lot. They fired. They had to, like, let go of a bunch of it in the staff. And then I also did like work that was probably for somebody more senior in other regards. Like I was like literally doing depositions within my first couple of months. Um, and like, you know, getting, I think I'd led my first deposition within a few months of, of, of starting. So I, I don't know if there's another time and place that that would have happened all at once. This was the kind of short staffed nature of the industry at that point. And I practiced as a litigator for about five years before I went in house at Google and, um, just kept thinking that like if I found the right combination of firm and a practice area or a corporation then I would really love working as a lawyer and I I just never was as happy as my parents they're like the happiest lawyers I know so I left Google to try to build something really great for lawyers to use that would help make their lives better and make their jobs more enjoyable have you read the email have I read what? This book called The E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. No, I haven't. I'm looking it up right now. Oh. oh, it's great. So in there, he talks about the entrepreneurial seizure, how sometimes you're just sitting around at your job and all of a sudden you like have to go out and start <laughs> your own thing. And I'm wondering if you had an entrepreneurial seizure to start Headnote. 
I absolutely did. It was like one of yeah. those moments of like, what in the world? Like, it, like you wake up one day and it's like, oh my gosh, like life is too short. What am I doing? And I mean, that was really how Headnote was born. I mean, I left the start. It was, it was, an, it was definitely an entrepreneurial seizure and I left to, to kind of follow that path and, and never looked back and had a really good inspiration in my husband, who's now my co-founder of Headnote who had always been an entrepreneur and kind of a different path than I had and um, also grew up in a family of lawyers and actually ran the books at his dad's law firm. And I remember he used to do it, we knew each other in college and he would do it in college and could not understand why they were writing off like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, So he had this shared pain of, you know, working at the family law firm and seeing this like outdated <laughs> um, tech and outdated business practice. And so he was a big inspiration to me and I kind of followed him into the entrepreneurial abyss and we decided to team up. Wow. That's like, and, that seems like you guys were destined for that. Both being the children of lawyers I and know. Seeing, I know. seeing the pain of loss. I mean, that's a great story. I don't know if that you and your husband on video telling that story on your website isn't on there, but it should be because <laughs> we should great, have it. I mean, it should be it's soon. like a Marvel. It's like a Marvel origin story. What the heck? Yeah. It's like superheroes. And now we have two little kids and we'll see if they end up being obsessed with lawyers or payments, or maybe they'll just start companies unrelated to either of those things. Who knows? That's awesome, Sarah. Well, I think that we got to know a little bit about you and certainly a lot to know about Headnote. I'm going to have to check it out for sure. Um, I'm on a Please. strict ban. I'm I'm prohibited from changing our software until January 1st, 2020, because I'm a serial hopper, and everyone in my office is ready to kill me. <laughs> but I, I well, will you know, check it out. you like to try new things, you know. So somebody has to be the experimenter. All right. Well, thanks for your time, Sarah. Thank you. This is so much fun. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Podcast. To stay in contact with your hosts and to access more content, content. go to MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time.